When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Metal Mike, and in this episode, I'm joined by the king of obscure metal, my Twitter pal, Greg, and we share our top 10 metal album of 1988. What a year for metal, and we discuss it all. Please like and subscribe on YouTube, and consider being a supporter through my podcast platform, Anchor. There's a link in the description below. Now here's our chat. It's a fun one. Check it out. Well, Greg, welcome to the 80s Glam Metal Cast. How you doing, brother? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome, man. I'm so glad to be talking with you. Uh, it's always great interacting with you on Twitter. You're always sharing all kinds of cool metal with, with all your, your friends out there, and uh, I, I love checking it all out, man. Yeah, cool. I, I feel the same about you. Like, I don't know how many bands. Like, I don't know how long we've been following each other, but it has to be a good five years. That's about but a while. You, you refreshed my memory on so many bands that either... I had sitting on my shelf and didn't think about, or I had locked away in storage, and I went there to take them back to refresh my memory on this stuff. So the one thing I have to say about social media, the metal community is great because it opened my eyes and ears against the stuff that I haven't listened to in 10, 20, maybe even 30 years. So yeah, this is going to be fun tonight. This is going to be fun. Yeah. You know what else is cool about the metal community, like on social media, is that, you know, you can go to work and, and let's just say you bought the new LA Guns. You can't really talk to your coworkers. Most of them don't know who LA Guns are, but your your, your rabid fans out there on Twitter and, and, and Facebook and everything like that, they know all this stuff just like you do. So yeah, it's definitely cool. Yeah, agree. Amazing, amazing. There's a, there's a good group, and, and, and it's nice. It really is. It, it, it it's worth. That's one of the reasons why I stay on Twitter because I love the metal community that we 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 um put together in the sense of that we follow so it, it's really good it's really nice well man uh you're no stranger to podcasts you do your own podcast which is uh new york jets and nfl related why don't you tell everybody quick about your podcast yeah so i do a first it's called first and 10 nfl dash new york jets podcast and i do it with um kevin for those out there who don't know kevin he's in a band called hostile rage guy from jersey they've been around forever and uh yeah, we, we drop shows every Saturday, and then we drop shows every Sunday, one hour after the game. It's basically uh, Jet-related, but we also throw in some other football teams and other topics of the day. So, yeah, it, it's been fun. It's been fun. We're uh, 36 episodes in, so it's been fun. Awesome, man. I'll put, some, uh, I'll put a link to that in the description for this video so people can check it out. Oh, cool. Thank you. I much appreciate Thank you. Well, man, I've done a couple of these now. I've done, uh, I've done 89, which I thought was, you know, a killer year. And then I did 90, which I was also amazed by. But I got to tell you, once I got into this 1988, th- this was tough, man. I don't know what you went through, but this was a hard one. I, I tell you, when I got, when I got your text that you wanted me to do 88 and I had to go back and look at everything and go through list and list of music. My jaw dropped. I didn't realize how many good releases or mm. great releases, I should say, 
was released in 88. My mind was blown. My mind was blown. It's over 30 years, and to me, this music is still fresh. It's mm-hmm. still great, and I still play it almost every day. There's not an album on, on the 88 list that still doesn't get thrown on the turntable or in my CD player. I, I love it all. I love it all. Yeah, this That's was amazing. tough, man, because usually I've, I've done some honorable mentions, and this one, mm-hmm. man, it's, it's, once I read some of them, it was just painful not to put them in the okay. list. But, you know, it, it is how it is, man. It's just you got to pick your 10, you got to stand by it, and, and that's just all there is to it. Yeah, so, Mike, let me ask you. Yes. In picking your 10, did you have to, like, did you pick 10 and then the next day look at it and cross one out and add something else, cross it out, add something else? Yep. So once you got your 10, you were set? Oh, dude, I was I was jimble jambling all over the place because it would like something would come in my head. I would be like, "Oh crap, that came out in '88," and then the next day, "Oh shit, that one came out in '88." So, dude, I had to, I a couple that were in the mix got bounced out, you know, kind of almost at the last minute because you do you, you it kind of even though I feel like you know I feel like I'm an expert at all the years of these things, you do kind of forget about certain ones. You, you're not sure if it was '87 or '89. It sometimes it is a blur. <laughs> But man, yeah, a couple of them. It was kind of rough. They 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 kicked off some other people, and uh, that's the way the cookie crumbles, I guess, with this stuff. Yes. Now, with you saying all that, as you know, I'm I'm I got the title uh, from some of my friends as the king of obscure. Uh-huh. So I actually go back and make sure some of the stuff I was picking was released in '88. Like I forgot that. Xenon, who I love, they were a local band. America's New Design was the album. That was an 89 release. Mm. Reckless, No Frills, that was an 89 release. I had to go back and refresh my memory because when you said 88, the first thing I thought of was Xenon, American Angel, and all those bands I grew up with and loved, which didn't make it big, but for me was special, but they weren't released in 88. So then I really done my research Knocked it down to 32, and then from 32, I knocked it down to 16, and then I, I finally shaped it up to 10, and I left six honorable mentions. I don't know if we'll get to them when the time comes, but that's what, I, that's what I'm left with on my list. So Nice, man. That was my problem. <laughs> I'm doing this. Well, you know, when you think of 88, you know, uh, we're getting deep into the decade. You know, the hair metal scene and the metal scene in general was pretty healthy at this point. A lot of bands were kind of on the 1986 to 88 cycle, you know, like Poison and Cinderella did their debuts in 86 and they were doing their follow-ups in 88. So a lot of bands were on this cycle from, you know, 86 to 88. So, and then obviously there was a, there were some debuts. I don't think there was as many debuts as there were in 1989. That was just that was insane for debuts, but uh, there was a few. There was a few in '88. Okay, well you'll you'll be surprised because on my list, without giving anything away, is one, two, three, three, four. I think four debuts. But as we wow. get into the list, I'll talk about that more. But I think I have four debuts on my list. Wow, I think I only have one. So yeah, that's okay. yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Well, man, let's just let's just break the ice here. Why don't you do your your ten? Do your number ten. Okay, so my number ten. Like I said to you earlier, I got this label as King of Obscure. I love a lot of <laughs> metal that whether some people don't think it's good or it didn't get it wasn't popular. It wasn't MTV worthy. Anyway, long story short, my number ten is. The name, I'm going to give you the name of the album first because there's a little backstory. 
The name of the album is Vanishing Vision by a band called X Japan. Wow. Okay. When this when this album came out, it was on a um, it was on the drummer's label. He had his own label. He put this album out, and they weren't even X Japan back then. They were X. And that's what it's on the album cover, X. Nothing about X Japan. Mm -hmm. They later on, four or five years down the road, I believe, they became X Japan. But this album caught my attention because when you look at the back, it's these five dudes. They look like glam dudes, but they look punk. The mohawk, the mm -hmm. spiked hair. And you put this CD on, and it's pure speed. It's pure speed metal. The musicianship is fantastic. Yoshi, he's a fantastic drum. I don't. He's very underrated in the metal world. The man's amazing uh, 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 drummer, make talented uh, artist. Period. Plays drums, piano, guitar, could do it all. And this was just an album that, looking at it, I was thinking, all right, we're going to get some glam, some punk, and I put it on, and my mind was just blown. Like every song is killer to me, and. The drumming, fantastic, and it's just pure speed speed metal for me, and I loved it, and I loved it from the start, and that's how I became an ex-Japan fan. They're great live, by the way. I know they haven't toured in about seven years, eight years, but fantastic bands. I want to, Now, they've done some recent albums, too, right, within the past, at least 10 years, because it seems like I've seen some things about them on YouTube. So this doesn't sound completely foreign to me. It seems like I've watched something of them. Have they done things in recent years? They, they haven't, they, they released a couple of singles in the last six or seven years. Mm -hmm. No full album as far as I know, but uh, they go through these long periods of, of, of not doing anything. Where I, I, I don't have numbers in front of me. Like I couldn't even tell you when the last CD was released and the last concert, but I saw them with my wife about, I think it was seven or eight years ago, they were at the Garden. Wow. And... Uh, Ever since then, I haven't heard boo from them. There was a couple of C uh, singles released, but no full album or anything else. But a lot of their albums get remastered, track here, another hidden track, a bonus track, things like that. But their catalog is small. I want to say five albums or four full albums and one EP. But then there's a lot of singles here and there that you could pick up from the band. Interesting. Cool, man. Well, that's a good one. I can't comment much on it because I've never heard it, but I'm interested, and I'm going to go back and check it out for sure. Yeah, definitely. definitely. I mean, if you're, if, you're the, if you're a fan who's open-minded and could put on an album and don't mind that it goes from, let's say, a glam type of a song to a speed metal to even a thrash song to a ballad, X-Japan gave you a taste of everything, and sometimes they gave you a taste of everything in one song. Some fans might not like it. I, I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was something new. It was something different. And that was my number 10. That's Extra Pan Vanishing Vision. All right, man. Well, here's what I got for my 10. And this probably won't surprise a lot of people because I'm a big fan. I've had some of these guys on the podcast. And it's the Britney Fox debut. So... Nice. Yeah, there might you know, and maybe some people will wonder why I've got it so low on the list, but I'll try to explain that. But first, let me talk about the good things about the album. There's a lot of good. Uh, is uh, you know, kicks off with some big singles. You know, Girl School, Long Way to Love. Always loved, loved Long Way to Love because I love how 
you know, he kind of sings in two voices on that one. He he has like a clear, mm-hmm. almost Paul Stanley sounding voice during the verses, and then he kicks into the screech like uh, Brian Johnson in the chorus. So I've always loved when he does that kind of stuff with his voice. And the the first side of this album is real strong. You know, songs like Kick and Fight, Fun in Texas, and then I feel like when you get to the second half of this, it is kind of where it fades a little bit. And that's maybe why I've got it at number 10. I don't think the second half of this is as strong as the first half of this album. But, you know, like I said, I love Dizzy Dean's voice. I love the musicianship. When you go back and listen to it, it really does have more of a classic rock sound, like a a 70s Kiss or ACDC. It has a lot more in common with that than maybe, you know, typical 80s metal sounds that you're used to. But, uh, you know, and the only two things that I'll say is, you know, this album for me contains some of their two of their cheesiest songs. One is Save the Week. Who has the has the lyric? I'm 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 feeling bad. I'm feeling sad. It sounds like a 12 year old wrote it. And uh, in America, it's kind of cheesy as well. But you know, so what, man? It's all good fun. It, it it's it brings back good memories. And I think the last thing I'll say about it is I think I bought this album. Never heard a lick off of it. I thought the cover looked cool, wow. and I bought it and got home and I loved it. And then I think after that is when MTV started blowing it up and everything. But I I'm pretty sure I bought it without ever hearing a single thing about it. It. Just, just thought the album cover looked cool, and uh, and obviously there's some Cinderella influences. You know, members were, were in Cinderella and stuff. But yeah, it, it's a great one. It's just like I said. Oh, maybe as a complete album, I don't rank it as high as some of the others that we're going to talk about. But yeah, man, what do you what do you think about the Britney Fox debut? All right, well, I hope you don't take my glam metal card away because <laughs> one, I love Save the Week. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not that into ballads, but I happen to like that song. I don't know if it was when I heard it back in the day. It maybe meant something to me. It came at the right time. Maybe something was going on in my life. I can't remember. But that song I always like. Now, strike two against me is that I own the debut. And back in the day, I, when I sold a bunch of stuff, I happened to s- sell that one. I don't have the debut, but I do have their greatest hits, yes. which does have a lot of the songs that you mentioned. So even though I'm not the biggest of Britney Fox fans, the songs that you mentioned, I like a lot. I think they're really top-notch songs. Nice. Nice, man. Cool. So uh, should we go on to number nine? Number nine, man. What do you got? Okay. Before I, before I introduce the band, I have to get my Hawk mention in here. <laughs> and this band that... <laughs> hear you laughing, yes. And the singer for this band sang for Hawk. So you know I had to get my Hawk mention in here. Got it for at Hawk. Number nine, yep, at number nine, I picked Massey, Downtown Dreamers. Nice. That okay. was my number nine go-to album. I, I love the album. I think Side A... Perfect. Friday, from song one to song five, you can't go wrong. It, it's catchy. It's like a deal worm. After you walk away, you're going to keep singing the songs in your head. And um, there was a lot of hype, I believe, with this album because, I, I again, I could be wrong. I, I feel like I forgot more than I remember. There was a lot of hype from Alex Massey. He was supposed to be this next guitar god, this great, phenomenal shredder. And so this album came with a lot of hype from what I remember, but the hype didn't last. I don't know if they did anything as a foursome ever again after this album. My, my, my knowledge of them fades after this. I have no other recollection of this band after this album. 
but this is really one good album. It, it's kind of glammy, although write-ups say it's not, but the songs are just very catchy, and 32, 33 years later, I'm still singing them. I still put this album on. It, songs like God Promised the Paradise, Thunder and Lightning, just remind me of Friday nights, hanging out you know, with my friends, drinking beer at the bars, and having a good time. And that's what music is about. It's about a memory, a feeling that, yep. you know, meant something to you. So for me, Downtown Dreamers from Massey was number nine. Nice. Now, I remember the name, but I, I, I don't know if I've ever heard him. But I, when you say Alex Massey, guitar player, that definitely rings a bell. So, yeah, I, I'm going to have to once again. Dude, you're, you're taking me to school on these. I'm going to learn. I'm, I'm going to go back. I'm going to check all these out. I'm loving it. <laughs> so, the one thing I, I'm hoping for that, no matter what people think of my choices, maybe they go back and, and, and listen. And even if they comment, oh, no, it wasn't as good as Greg made it out to be. Even if they gave it a shot, it was worth it. It was worth me mentioning these albums as some of my favorites. Yep, that's awesome, man. Well, like I said, I'm going to tell you, more, more, I'm pretty much all of mine are from big names, so I'm going for another big name, uh, Rat. Reach for the Sky. I love this album, man. I love Reach for the Sky. Okay. Uh, I, it's one of my favorite Rat albums. I don't really know why. I mean, everybody always gravitates to Out of the Cellar and, and, and thinks that's the greatest <laughs> album. And, and I like that one, too. I mean, it, it basically is kind of like almost like Rat's greatest hits. But I think this one's got cool deep tracks. You know, like Don't Bite the Hand That Feeds You and City to City, Chain Reaction, What's It Gonna Be? And I, I think you just you hit it on the head what you just said. It's a vibe, you know. I just remember when that album came out and sitting in the back seat when my parents were driving me different places mm -hmm. listening to it on my Walkman I remember having the shirt from that album that like had the band photo with the big uh, rat logo and you know like you said it's just those memories it just reminds me of good times and fun it's a catchy cool album so yeah that's my number nine man yeah I, I love City to City I think City to City is a fantastic song yep great song no it, it like you said it's about a feeling so it may not be my favorite, but again, now you mentioning it, I'm going to go back and put it on. I'm gonna, when we're done here, I'm going to put it on because it's not one of the, the rad albums I reach for all the time. So this is going to make me go back and say, hmm, Mike was right. This this is interesting. I didn't give this enough credit, you know? Yep. And, uh, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. I saw, rat, I saw Rat a couple of times live, and I've always had this back and forth with people. I've never seen Rat on, and I only seen them once, maybe twice. I never caught them on a good night, Mike. Right. And everyone I talk always says, oh, no, they're, they're good live. They're good live. I must have seen them the only time where they weren't good. Because <laughs> the one night I saw them, I was very disappointed. But on the albums, those first four or five albums, top-notch stuff. Top-notch stuff. Yep, no doubt, Keep man. Wrong. What do you got for eight, Greg? Okay. Eight is an album, Mike, that a lot of fans don't like. And I don't even know if the band themselves, themselves really like this one. And I, I love it. I, I don't know why. Again, maybe it was the time it came out, the, you know, the, the feeling, everything. Andrax. First began perceiving external auditory suggestions following an episode of processed cheese food abuse. Scott, go on tour. Go on tour. MTV's first Headbangers Ball Tour. <laughs> Featuring the ball-busting vibes of Anthrax. My eighth one is Anthrax. 
state of euphoria. Ah, okay. That's an interesting one. A lot of, I know we're in different metal community groups and stuff, and a lot of the guys I talk to, I always have to tell them, go back and put it on. The album is not as bad as you think. I mean, to me, there's not a bad song on here, mm-hmm. from Be All, End All, to Who Cares Wins, which was kind of like an MTV hit. They played that a lot on MTV. Yes. It was a black and white yep. dealing with the home. And to finally, the last track, finally, like typical Anthrax lyrics, you know, I drank three six-packs just so I could look at your face. <laughs> Those are typical Anthrax lyrics. Now, I know this album takes a lot of knock because it's bright yellow. Yes. It's a cartoon character <laughs> with the band. They're cartoons. They're in shorts. To the band, for me as a fan, just viewing it, they came off for a massive tour. Among the Living was huge. They were in a good place. You know what? They're not supposed to be happy. So this <laughs> album has that happy yellow vibe to it. But I know that the band felt rushed. They felt like the songs were unfinished. I think they rushed it because they were going back on a major tour again. With all that being said, Mike, I love the album. I don't think there's a bad song off here. I even like the, the cover version that they do from Trust in uh, Antisocial. And for me, it, it's, a, it's a great album. I love it. I always tell people, go back and give it another shot. Whether they think I'm crazy or not, that's up to them. But I love the album. I think the album is really good. Well, finally, one that I ha- used to have back in the day. <laughs> I love I love this album. Um I, I think the problem for me, and, and I know what you're saying, and I probably feel the same way as a lot of other people, is that Among the Living was the first Anthrax album I ever bought, and I really, really okay. loved it. And then when I got this one right, this one seemed a little too happy or, or whatever, you know. But um, yeah, yeah. but there's some cool songs on it. I always love Misery Loves Company, and uh, okay. and Be All End All, definitely cool. I forgot, I kind of forgot about Finally. That That's a cool song, too. So I am going to go back and, and revisit this album based on your recommendation because uh, – I definitely I had it. I used to have it back. Maybe I have it still someplace, but I I did like it. I just kind of always looked at it inferior to Among the Living. But I got I got to revisit it, man. You're gonna you're making me want to revisit. I, it. And, you, and you know what, Mike? I always say to people, you know, what we liked at eighteen, nineteen, twenty, or what we didn't like, we might like with older ears. Yep. Like 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 real quick for me, like I never liked the Metallica loads and reloads. Right. You know, I just never got into them. I thought, but you know what? 25 years later, however long it's been, I enjoy it now. I My older ears enjoy it now. Maybe I'm mature, a little more mature. I don't know what it is, but there are some albums that I didn't like then that I enjoy more now. Oh, dude, yeah. I, I could do a whole so, podcast about that. I've got a lot of those where, like, I didn't get it as a kid, and then it's almost like, flip. it's like that a lot with albums. You know, I always remember, like, as a kid, I always thought, like, I'll give Europe as an example. Oh, I always thought the final countdown was so great, and then Out of This World yeah. was inferior. And then all of a sudden, I, when I go back, I'm like, no, Out of This World is way better than the final countdown. You know, So like the, it, I, that's just one example. There's a lot of those where what I used to think, it's completely flip-flop. All right, man. Well, here's what I got for number eight. Uh, th- so this kind of taps into something that you just said. Sometimes when, when you see a well, you talked about seeing Rat and they weren't that good. But when you go see a band on tour for that album and they do an amazing job, that makes you love the album even more. And my number eight is uh, Cinderella, Long Cold Winter. I saw them on that tour and they um, they had Bullet Boys and Winger opening up for them. And both of those bands were great, and I, I love both of those bands. But man, Cinderella. 
just was amazing. Like the purple lights. He came down on the piano for don't know what you got till it's gone. It's just, wow. it's just so cool, man. And, and like I said, you know, those are a few songs that really stand out to me. If you don't like it, fire and ice, it's just, uh-huh. I think it's the whole thing, you know, it's like, I think they were maturing and building on their sound. I saw them on that tour. It's just good memories, good music. That's my number eight, man. Now, Mike, I believe you said there's bands that you see live and they win you over, correct? Yeah. So Cinderella is one of those bands for me. I saw Cinderella on their debut tour. They opened up for David Lee Roth. And technically, I just there to see David Lee Roth. I had no interest in Cinderella. I, I thought the name was crappy. I didn't <laughs> like anything about the band, but my two buddies were into them. So, I, you know, we're going to a concert. We're all going together. I'm like, oh, you guys go. I'll catch up with you. I'll meet you there. Well, long story short, Cinderella blew my friggin' mind that night to the point that the next day I couldn't wait to run to my local record store and pick up the debut and... That's my Cinderella story of a band that I had no interest in, could care less about. But watching them, that 45 minutes, that's all they were on for, 45 minutes. I think they did maybe seven or eight songs. And the whole time I just sat there going, this is fantastic. Why? I kept looking at my buddies going, whoa, you know? Yeah. So that's my, that's my Cinderella story and how I got into them. <laughs> you know? they're, yeah. uh, they're damn good live, man. They're damn good. Yeah. Well, I can't yeah. wait to hear your seven, Greg. I can't wait. What do you got? Oh, all right. I got another band from New York City because, you know, I have to represent. <laughs> and, and, now, this is a band for me, Mike, that they play them a lot on our local Jersey radio station here, WSOU. They were a college radio station that played all the great metal from local bands to, you know, your big name bands. And this was a band that I thought from, from the musicianship to the vocals Everything was top-notch for me. And that band is Hitman with their subtitled Hitman. Okay. I, 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 I love that. Have you ever heard of them? No, I never even heard of them. Yep. New York City guys, they have about three albums. Um, they were on a German label, and they tried to move things over, I believe, if I remember right, to like an American label, but there was problems and headaches and... They had this album, then they released another one a few years later, and I believe there was a long hiatus, and then they just released one a few years ago. But but Hitman, uh, the lead singer, I believe his name is Dirk Kennedy, very good voice. The 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 music, the guitarist, the drummer, they all been in other bands before they formed Hitman. They had a, a marginal hit on WSOU charts with um a song called Will You Be There, very popular. But the whole album, like Metal Sports, starts off like a, a, a um. A progressive metal song, Nice and Fast, Dead on Arrival. Uh, the, the whole album, I mean, there's nine songs on it. I would say it's a seven out of a seven out of the nine tracks are really top-notch. The other two you are throwaways in my mind, but they're still decent throwaways. It was funny, a couple of weeks ago I was watching some zombie movie, and one of the songs they were playing in the background was Hitman's Metal Sport. I was like, whoa, wow. it's not just me who knows Hitman. <laughs> <laughs> it was so cool. To hear metal sport on a zombie movie. I don't even know what the name of the movie was I was watching. But to hear these guys, check them out if you get a chance. I think you'll like them. Yeah, you know, they're, they're progressive metal, a little speed to them, but very good. And I think Dirk, I believe his name is Dirk Kennedy. Very good singer. This band should have aimed higher or done more, but 
the trouble with the record labels and being signed to, I think it was a German record label and not having a lot of U.S. distribution might have hurt the band. I, I, I'm not fully clear on the whole story, but yeah, that's my number seven with Hitman. Okay, interesting. I'm going to have to check out Hitman. Uh, my number seven is from a big, big band, big metal band. Judas Priest, man, Ram It Down. I, I like Ram uh, It Down. I don't, I don't know. A lot of, some people don't like Ram It Down, but I don't know, man. I, I, I really like it. I, I basically got into Priest probably around 86 when Turbo came out. And you know, a lot of people okay. don't like Turbo either. But Ram It Down, I, I thought they were kicking it up, man. They were getting heavier with the song Ram It Down. Uh, I'm a rocker. I love Blood Red Skies. That's such a great song, man. Okay. And uh, Heavy Metal with all that little that solo in the beginning, and then they bust into that riff and that song. So I love it. I love that album. And Priest, I mean, what the hell? You can't go wrong with Priest. No, no, you really can't. So real quick, Mike, I like Turbo, and I, I hear it gets a lot of uh, uh, negative, like a lot of people have negative things that they don't like the synth, the way the synths were used. A lot of people love it. Is Ram It Down... Your state of euphoria, like for you, the way state of euphoria is to me, it's better than people remember it. Yeah, definitely. It. Yeah, I think I just think people weren't, you know, and, and we, Rob and I talked about this on the 1990 episode because Painkiller was my number one. So obviously, Ram It mm. Down kind of came up, but I think Ram It Down suffered from no publicity. The only video okay. that was released was Johnny Be Good, and, and as you know, that is not that is not indicative of what the album's about. It's not the strongest song yeah. on the album by any means, and that was the only video <laughs> they had. So I just think people they never really gave it a chance because there wasn't much publicity for it so yeah i think people need to go back and, and revisit it because it's a cool killer metal album man monster of rock last song it's like that slow you know it's almost like it reminds me of the, the feeling of something like the sentinel or something like that so i just feel like the classic priest metal vibe was was alive on that one okay so that was the one album in the catalog i skipped and okay. i had it i went back and i to be honest mike i just bought it to complete my, my catalog said so I didn't have an empty space. So my knowledge on, other than Blood Red Skies, my knowledge on that album is very minimal. So there's another album, Tonight or Tomorrow, I'm going to go back and put on and going to listen to it with different ears yeah. because that Johnny B. Good was just terrible. Yeah, I think so that, killed, I, that killed the I, album. That killed it right there. Yeah. yeah, and you know, isn't it funny that you have all this great material, but you're forced by the record label to put what they think is a, a good song which happens to kill the whole album and yep. then what happens they don't get the blame the band gets the blame gets booed off the record like other bands you know they put out what the label wants and then when it doesn't hit they kick them off the labels and these bands have a hard time regrouping again because some guy in a suit and tie said oh no this is the song we're releasing <laughs> do you think that album would have been better if something else was released and not Johnny Be Good oh definitely I think they should have just released okay. Ram It Down uh, as the single okay. because Ram It Down is is a nice fast rocker and, and uh, it's got the screams in it. I think that would have been the perfect release to really say what the album's about. Not not Johnny Be Good. Okay. Now, do you have any backstory? Like, did the band want something else and the label wanted this and they were butting heads? Did you have any backstory on the that? Only, or The only story that I really know, and I think we might have talked about this a little bit on the last episode, was that Turbo was supposed to be a double album, and it was going to be called Twin Turbos, and Turbo was, you know, I think one side was going to be a little bit more of the, you know, poppier metal like they did on Turbo, and then the other album okay. was going to be a little bit more heavier. So I think a lot of this material 
from Ram It Down was from left over from this double album of Turbo. But then I just think that, you know, there had to have been some add-ons. So I don't know a ton of the backstory. The only thing that I can get out of the album, the, the one thing that I don't like about it, I'm almost 100% positive it's a drum machine. And it probably sounded cool back in 88, but now when you listen to it today, it just doesn't cut it. And there's a, there's a lot of albums like that. Um Alice Cooper's Constrictor uses a drum machine. And, you know, like, again, I liked that back in the day, but when I go back and listen to it today, I'm like, mm, no, we need real drums, man, real drums. Okay. Well, I'm telling you, we're only, what, three or four in, and you already have me going back to review two other albums. So this was definitely worth it, and I'll let you know my take on those albums down the road. I'll, I'll text you what I thought <laughs> later on down the road. Yep. Are you ready for my six? I'm ready. Okay. I, I hope you know this. This is what I feel like I'm really going on here tonight. But it's what I love. It's what I... I always had... My ear was always different from like... Don't get me wrong. I am a Metallica. I grew up in Metallica. I'm my favorite Overkill. I, but I've always had a soft spot for these other bands where maybe they only had one release here in the States or mm-hmm. weren't as, you know, faded after the one album. Who knows? Anyway... My number six is from a band from Sweden called 220 Volts, and the, the album is called Eye to Eye. Hmm. I'm not Heard familiar them? with that, man. Never, I don't, I don't, they don't sound familiar to me. Okay. So this, this is another album. What, what happened, this is a band from Sweden, and there's some confusion behind this, because if you read the liner notes on this album, it says this was the fifth release, but when you Google them and Wikipedia them, this is listed as the fourth release. So I don't know what the story is. Also, when you, when you look them up, there's a, there's a, there's a, um, nothing mentioned in this era of the band, like this album, no talk about it. But from what I remember, they were a Swedish band. Their first three releases were more on the metal side, raw, kind of like Def Leppard's first two. And then Epic flew them into, uh, uh, into the U.S. to work with Max Norman in New York City to kind of make them into, let's say, Death Leopard Jr. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's where this album was supposed to go for the band. Now, maybe the musicianship is not, they're not as talented as Death Leopard. Maybe the songs weren't as um, uh, written as well. But in my eyes, this was very catchy material. There's, there's 11 songs on here. All, all 11 songs are really good. Again, like the Massey stuff, you walk away singing it. It stays in your head. It, I don't want to say it's glam. I don't want to say it's it's a good rock and roll album. I, I always consider it Death Leopard light. It's not mm-hmm. as heavy as Pyromania. I shouldn't say it's not as heavy. It's not as catchy, but it, it's a good album. It's worth checking out. I, I think you might like it, especially if you like the Pyromania era of Death Leopard. Mm-hmm. But it's the same storyline where Death Leopard's first two albums for me were roaring, yep. metal sounding, and their earlier stuff was. This is more polished and, you know, radio-friendly or MTV-friendly, but the album never really took off. MTV never picked it up, and basically it was college radio or bust with this album, and I believe they put out a few more albums after this. I didn't get anything after this one. This happens to be my favorite, although I like the earlier releases too, but for me, this was a gem. I, I, I recommend checking it out. So that's 220 volts eye-to-eye. And that was my number six. Two twenty volts, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out. I'm gonna let you know <laughs> let you know what I think about it. Um, yep. Number six, man. I got I had to go with a Kiss alumni. Uh, went with Vinnie Vincent Invasion. All systems go. Uh, 
And mm. uh, I, I, there's something about this album. I, I do like Vinnie Vincent Invasion uh, with Mark Slaughter. I think Mark Slaughter, mm-hmm. you know, is he's just got he's just got a cool voice and he's got a lot of yep. charisma that he adds to the songs and whatnot. And I don't know, man. It's just a cool album. There's a lot of cool heavy riffs, like Ashes to Ashes, uh, Left Freedom Rock. Mm-hmm. Left Freedom Rock has such a cool heavy riff. And then there's these like yeah. poppy, uh, moody songs like Love Kills and um, uh, That Time of Year. And there's a really cool... Ecstasy? Yes, I was just going to mention that. It's almost sounds like it could be sorry. from the 70s. I didn't mean to jump you. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, that reminds me of like a, 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 like a song that could be from the 70s or something. It's just got a weird... The yeah. whole album just has a weird, interesting vibe for me. Like, I don't know. It just yeah. like I said, brings back good memories. It's got a unique sound. I don't think it really sounded a, a lot like anything else that was out there. It's just like that weird... Mm-hmm. It's just Vinnie Vincent is kind of a, an interesting, weird dude. And I think he, that, that kind of comes out in his music. So, yeah man that's my number six you like that album i love that album I, 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 I gotta be honest with you that's the album i like the poppiest stuff i yeah. love love kills time of the year ecstasy those are my i actually prefer those songs yep. to the hardest stuff on that album i know it sounds weird i'm supposed to be this big thrash head but that <laughs> album i enjoyed love kills art time of, those three songs are my favorite like yeah. i could listen to that style and that that's the kind of style, would you say, is what Slaughter did on their debut somewhat, correct? Would yeah. you say that? Yeah, and we you know, we we talked about Slaughter in the nineteen ninety episode. I think Slaughter was just able to capitalize on the commercial aspect better than Vinnie Vincent Invasion. Because I think like I said I just think Vinny's just he just once again, I like it, but it's a little it's kinda of little off the wall, some of the stuff that he throws into some of these songs. But I think Slaughter was just so straightforward that it was it was a slam dunk, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Do you you think? Do you think? I heard some people say, "Is it because Vinny always wanted to do all these long solos, or you know, a hundred licks in ten seconds?" Do you think that's what killed a yeah. third album from Vincent? Is that what did them in? Like the band wanted to go one way, and he was all about the you know, a hundred notes in ten seconds. Okay, so I talked to uh, Gary Shea recently, and he was in the band Warrior with Vinnie Vincent. And I asked, okay. I asked Gary, I was like, Gary, what's the story with Vinnie Vincent? You know, because a lot of people have issues with him. And he just said he was a guy that was real indecisive and would constantly change things. Like they, they thought the song was perfect. They come in the next day, and he wants to throw it all out the window. I think. Is what Gene and Paul have always said. This guy is his own worst enemy, and I think that's probably mm. why Slaughter or uh, yeah, Vinny Vincent Invasion just kind of imploded because it's probably because of Vinny. He's hard to work with. Uh, he's really wants control of the whole situation. He's self-destructive. I, I think he could have been a huge star on his own, but I think all these things. And, and once again, if one person said it, Greg, you'd say, eh, you know, eh, it's just them. But everybody says it. You know, he's just no, I, he's he's just self-destructive. He's indecisive. He's but he's brilliant. But he's he just got a lot of baggage. It's a shame. It's a shame. Like I, I looked at him as this great guitar player. And I wish I had half his talent. And I feel like he he could have been like a guitar god, maybe. And yeah. I don't know. I guess he pissed it away or blew it away or his <laughs> ego made him blow it. I don't know. But anyway, that's a shame. That's because that that's a really good album. Props to you on picking that one. Yeah, man. Nice. No problem. What do you what do you got for five? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're probably 
still probably deep down inside saying, you know, Greg's a nice guy, but he really went off the beating path. <laughs> Well, I already know. I can guarantee, man. I once we get to the end, I'm almost positive we're going to have a few that line up. I'm, I'm almost positive, but we'll see. What, what do you got for five? Okay, okay. My number five is a band that not many people know. Uh, Jersey band. Um, so, for, even though I'm in New York, they were local for me. This is their second release. It's a band called '80s, and it's the name of the album is "At First You Don't Succeed." And to me, this was just pure, raw thrash. Now, what may have held these guys back was, even on both their, the, the, their first two albums, production is really bad. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not produced very well, but it is raw sounding. I think the songs are great. Um, Alan Tecchio is the singer. He went on to, to work with other bands. Um, uh, Alan Tecchio sang with A Witch Tower. I think he sang with Seven Witches as well. Um, it, it's just pure thrash metal to me. It, again, the band is Hades. Um, um, it, it, I, I, I'm at a loss for words because every time I post them or put them on, I get some responses, but they're the least uh, uh, <laughs> likes and retweets I get when I post this band. But again, I think Alan Tegger has a fabulous voice. Um, uh, the, the bass player and guitarist from the band, they were in other bands. They just formed a new band called um, Cassius King. Ca- Cass- not ca- uh, Cassius King, Cassius I'm sorry. King, yeah. And the, yep. yeah. And the lead singer is uh, a good, no, I don't want to say a good friend, but a guy we really like, um, Jason McMasters from Dangerous Toys, sings yep. on the new uh, Cassius King album. So, But yeah, my sixth round, it, it's Hades. There's just something about them. Again, maybe because I remember them from day one. They were Jersey guys, you know, played the local clubs. They were on you know, the, the Jersey radio stations, the college radio stations. So for me, the, the, this band, these, these first two releases from the band holds a, a special spot for me. Again, production is shade, spotty, not great, but um, I love the album, and that's Hades. If at first you don't succeed, that's my number five. All right, man. I, I've never heard it, but I'm, I'm, I'm taking notes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, man. My number five is another big band, and this is an album. I think I really liked it as a kid, but for some reason, today, I like it even more. And I want to say it all happened a few years back. Now, true story, I had a car maybe five, ten years ago that had a tape deck in it, okay? And what I noticed I was doing when I had the tape deck is I would put a tape in, and I would, you know, it's kind of harder. Like a CD you can skip, you know, MP3s or whatever, you can skip. But when you have a tape, you got to fast forward. So it's kind of hard to, to, you just end up listening through the whole thing all the way through. And this album, man, I would put it in, and I would rock it out all week back and forth to work. And it's Scorpion, Savage Amusement. I, I love this album, man. I don't care what anybody says. It's just a catchy, well-written album. Don't Stop at the Top, Media Overkill. Passion rules the game, and even the song "Walking on the Edge." I actually listened to that before, uh, right before we did the interview, and it's just oh. such a cool, like a power ballady type song, you know. And Klaus Mind is just an amazing singer. The production is so good. Um, I know people are all hung up on "Love at First Sting" and all that stuff. And don't get me wrong, I'm going to say this: Scorpions from "Love Drive" to this album could be one of the best runs of albums by any metal band, uh, in my opinion. I feel like they were just spot on, album after album. And for me, this album smokes Crazy World. I just, something about Crazy World, I don't know what it is, just doesn't 
doesn't do it for me. And most people love Crazy World. It was a big album with Wind of Change and all that kind of stuff. But for me, it's always going to be uh, Savage Amusement. Now, it's funny you bring that up because that was the last Scorpions album I own. Mm-hmm. But in saying it, I did enjoy it. I don't have a problem with it. I know a lot of people don't like it. It's, it's too bubblegummy, too poppy. They were flashy with their, their new um, uh, sequence outfits, whatever right. you want to say. I, I did enjoy the album. It's not my favorite from them, but I, I do like it. I, I put it on. I still listen to it. But that was the last, and I don't know why. I don't know if it's because my taste just changed. I got heavier and heavier with my music, but that was the last album I bought from them, but I don't have a problem with it. I, I think it's a good album. I yeah. think it's a really good album. Yeah, I enjoy it. A lot of well-written songs, and I can listen to the whole thing. Well, that's what I did there when I when I had it on tape in the car. I listened to the whole damn thing all the way through every day, and uh, it, I love all the songs on it. It's a great, great album, man. Now, is it five Scorpions for you? That's the question. What's that? Is it a top five Scorpions album for you? Do you love it that much? Yeah, yeah, probably. I just, I don't know what it is. I love it. I, I love that album. Yeah, I probably would. But I really do like a lot of the, I mean, I love Animal Magnetism and yeah. um, Blackout. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, it's tough, but it's up there. Yeah, wow. Very nice. What's your four? Okay, so we're the, the final four? Final four. <laughs> I hope we have a couple... So- couple that cross over with each other i hope so i i just got there's there's at least one that we're gonna have the same but i think my opinion we'll see <laughs> let's see again i hope i don't let you down but my number four is a debut from mr glenn danzig nice a debut album danzig done by rick rubin this album this album to me with the lyrics as a I think I was 19, 18 during the time this album came out this was just sex appeal to me this was like dirty sex music to me mm-hmm. like like you listen to the, the, the lyrics she rides you know yep. you know just, just fantastic the, the, the lyrics like here it is apocalyptic apocalyptic sex scenes does not does not does that not describe this album like when you listen to some of the lyrics yep. like possession you know, some of the, it, I, it was just a great album for me. I, I, and to me, Mother is the worst song off this album, but yet it was somewhat of a radio-friendly yep, hit. Yep. But yeah, for me, uh, my number four is Danzig, self-titled. Yeah, no, Danzig were great. I, I had this album. I still have it. Um, and I, I'll twist the cane, man. What a riff! Uh, I, that's to kicking off the album with that is so killer. And uh, it's just you know, it's almost like I always likened it to like evil rock elvis type of thing you know I mean? it's just it's just like it's, it's just weird man it's got a weird you're right it's a weird vibe but it's it's a good vibe yeah he he's definitely like the elvis johnny cash like yep. you know well who what other artists wrote i believe he wrote a couple of songs for johnny cash in, in his career and yeah i never got to see him live which i would have loved to but this album and, and technically mike those first four releases yeah. by him yeah i find your goal like there's not a bad song off those sports ball releases in my opinion yep. but this was a great debut when i got it oh I, I loved everything about it excellent album in my opinion and that's my number four okay man well th- I, i'm it's kind of weird for me to put this at four but i'm going to explain why i had to do it and why it wouldn't be at number one but my four is manowar kings of metal <laughs> 
They're one of my favorite bands. I love them. But I think this is this is why I couldn't have put it higher, man. I feel like this in Manowar. This happens to Manowar a lot. There's just too much filler. Like there's not enough real mm-hmm. songs, you know. Like I love Sting of the Bumblebee. I love Grandfather. Tell me a story. I love that, you know. But Manowar puts that in there like it's a song. It's it's more of like an intro mm-hmm. to Blood of the Kings. It's not a song, you know what I mean? But but that's all you you just yeah. get. Like when you know when you comes down to it, there might only be like six real songs like on this album. But I mean they're great. I love Kingdom Come. That's one of my favorites. Heart of Steel. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Blood of the Kings, uh, the bonus track, Pleasure Slave. That's that kind of song could get Man of War canceled in 2021. <laughs> Woman, be my slave. You can't say that anymore. But but uh, but Man of War, Man of War can do whatever they want, I guess. And uh, but that's I, I love them. Eric Adams, probably my favorite vocalist of all time. And you know it's a killer band. But like I said, if it just had a few more actual songs than just you know like you know bass solos and, and spoken word stuff, it might be number one. But that's my number four. Do you find with Manowar, Mike, that there's no in between ground? We love them or we hate them, right? There's no, <laughs> you don't hear some Manowar's okay. Never you know, heard. I love. But a lot of a lot of the, the the other people I know look at me like, what are y'all? They're little wine cloths and oh, they're all nonsense. They don't. It, it, there's no in between, I guess, with the man of war with man of war music. You no. love them or you think they're corny and cheesy, right? But the thing you is, know? is that people you got you're right. It's either you get it or you don't. And man of war are weird, man. When you real, if you take a, I'll give you a couple examples. And, and you and you're a big man of war fan. So if you look at the album, let's just go back to. Um, a sign of the Hammer, for example. Okay. okay, you start that album off with probably one of the most cheesiest songs that they've got with the lyrics. All men play on ten, right? But then yeah. you get as deep as you possibly could get with Guyana Cult of the Dam with like the Reverend Jim and the Kool Aid. So Man of War is like an anomaly. They're like deep. They're they're superficial. They're cheesy. They're warriors. They're the, you know like they're they're just it's either you get it or you don't. But like I said, you can go through every album and you're gonna have those like corny songs where they sing about themselves. You know, like Man of War kills. We're fighting the world. Blah blah blah. And then you'll get really you'll go some interesting places with them. Like I said, they do have some depth. They have a lot of music, great musicianship. I mean, there's there's nobody that's gonna tell you that they don't have that. Uh, but like no, I said, I if you just catch some of those cornier songs that they do, and that's all you've heard, and you see them in their loincloths, you might be confused. Yeah. But for us Manowar fans, we get it, so it's all good. I mean, the first time I heard Manowar, it was probably on one of my on, on one of those Friday night special radio shows, and just to hear the word, just to hear the opening line, we met off English ground in the backstage room. We heard the sound. Yep. That. To me, it was like whoa, and that happens to be that um, uh, that happens to be my favorite Manowar album. But yeah. I like everything about them. I mean, the, the cheese comes with it. You got to deal with <laughs> yes. it. But like, I never, I never had somebody say to me, "Yeah, Manowar's okay. I like one or nope. two of their albums." I, I feel like those are one of those bands you love them or you hate them. But excellent choice, excellent choice. Nice. But oh, are we ready for my number three? We're ready. Okay. I, I'm pretty sure you heard of these guys. <laughs> okay. It's their second release, Crimson Glory. Yes, I've heard. Yes, I know Crimson Glory. Yes. To me, to me, everything about this album was pure gold. I don't know how this album 
didn't turn this band into the next Queensryche, Midnight, Rest His Soul, had a phenomenal voice. I feel like if Midnight never passed away, where Queensryche was looking for a new singer, he would have fit the bill perfectly. Yeah. Nothing against Lepore. He would... This album is such, such great music. Everything, everything about this album is a 10. Every track off of here is tops for me. I heard other people say they like the latter stuff after this one. But the other two albums after this one fades a little bit to me. Mm -hmm. But this album and their debut, I recommend to anyone. I know my, my uh, friend who goes by Monster, he's with me on this. He loves this album as well. It's one of our favorites. It's definitely mine. I recommend everyone go check out Crimson Glory Transcendence. Great album. Yeah. Great album. No, I definitely like Crimson Glory, but I've got to get more on, you know, I've got to give them more of a chance because for some reason they were definitely not on my radar when I was younger, and um, but they okay. have gotten my radar, you know, in more recent years. So I've got I've to listen to some more Crimson Glory, definitely. Yeah, I, I think, Mike, if you like Queensryche, if you're a fan of Queensryche, yeah. If you're a fan of maybe even that debut album for Fifth Angel, which I love, uh, stuff like that, even um, the beginnings of Dream Theater, like that frog type, this album will really turn you on. And, and honestly, if you don't like this one, then don't bother with any of the others, because I think <laughs> after this album, it goes downhill from them. Their third and fourth album to me is, again, what I say, other people might think I'm crazy, but for me, their first two albums were gold and not a bad song on any one of those first two albums. And that's Crimson Glory, number three for me. Now, this is a band that I'm going to do next, and nobody will be surprised that this is on my list. They may be surprised that I didn't put it at number one, but, I mean, I love Lillian Axe. That's one of my favorite hair mm -hmm. bands, man. And I feel like this one, you know, it, you, this is this is one of those flip-flops. So back in the day when I was a kid, I always thought Love and War was better than the debut. Always thought that. And now that okay. I'm older, I prefer the debut over Love and War. I mean, Misery Loves Company is such a cool song. Like, it's a heavy riff, for, for especially like a band like Lillian Axe. It's heavy. And the song okay. Waiting in the Dark is like an epic song. And that's very rare for like a band that's a hair band, you know, their debut album. And they're singing about like growing old, you know, and it's a whole trajectory about like the span of life. You know, it's really deep for like a band coming out, you know, of that kind of band on their first album. And then nobody knows how that was not a single, how that was not a hit power ballad. I don't know. And I've always loved the last song, Laughing in Your Face. It just has that typical 80s metal vibe and it's just fun. And I just, I love Ron Taylor's voice. I love Steve Blaze's guitar playing. It's just an amazing freaking album. So, Mike, I know nothing of Lillian Axe. I think I have, is, is it Love and War, where the, the lady is on the yep. cover, she's yep. naked, yep. holding her knees? Yeah, that's yeah. the only album I have. I got to tell you, that's the only album I have from them. Okay. And when I first got it, I hated it. Hmm. I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. And that's why I know nothing else from this band. But I went back, and over the last 10 years, let's say, because... I was doing some spring cleaning, and I realized I had all these CDs from back in the day, and that was one I put on. I enjoy it now. I do. With older ears, I really like that album, but yeah. I'm a Lily Mac virgin. Like, I know nothing about them <laughs> other than this album, and even this album, like I said, when it first came out, I bought, I didn't like it, and it took me, like, you know, whatever, 30 years to pop it back on and, and give it a re-listen, and I enjoy it now, but when it comes to Lillian Axe, I'm in the dark. So the one you like is the debut, because I'm going to make a note of it, yes. and I'll check it out. Yes. Is that the debut you 
Yeah, listen okay. to this, especially just go right to the song Waiting in the Dark and Misery Loves Company. Okay. Those are my two favorites. Those are so cool. They're, they're really uncharacteristic for this kind of band uh, on their debut album. Okay. So, yeah, those check out those two, if anything. Those are great songs. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, my, we're running out of here, Mike. I hope we have something to, together. Uh, I, 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 dude, if, there, there's one. If you don't have this, you don't have some of these. But no, you do you, do you man. What do you got? What's your number two? Okay, Two is from another band from New York City. This is their 1988 release. This is Riot Thunder Steel. Nice. Love this. Pure speed, pure progressive metal. This album, new new lead singer, but um, totally different from the the. I think they had five or six releases before this one. Totally different because their their first few albums were straight up good rock and roll. Some yep. might say metal, just. Good old rock and roll music. This one's all power metal to me. All speed. Not you know nine tracks. Not a bad song off the album. Really good stuff. And again, this is another album. I was talking to a buddy yesterday, my friend Mo, and he likes the older stuff. But mm-hmm. like I like he always he always said, and I always said, it's where you come into the band that you know becomes your favorite. And this was the first thing I ever heard from this band, and it actually took me a few years maybe even 10 years after this came out, to go back and get that earlier stuff from Riot. But this is an album that, not a bad track, not a bad track. And as you see, like my number four, my number three, and number two, and even eventually my one when we talk about it, every song on there is top. I never skip a song on any of these these mm-hmm. top four albums. I can listen to them for days, repeat, repeat. I must drive the, the missus and the kids crazy, but <laughs> Riot Thunderfield is my number two. Riot's interesting for me because I remember, like, I heard of them back in the day, but I didn't ever really hear the music. And then I interviewed um, Todd Michael Hall, who sings for them now. And I went back through and I started listening to some of their stuff. And, and like I said, I listened to Thundersteel and I was like, this is great stuff. So, um, Riot, I, I definitely want to get into more of, but from what I've heard so far, I, I definitely like it. Good, excellent, excellent. Well, this one, this 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 is tough, man. So this one, oh man, I wanted to put it at number one. It's such an amazing okay. album. It's an epic friggin' album, but it ended up at two for some reason. Hey, wake up! This is Pure Rock. I'm Jeff Tate and Chris DeGarmo from Queensrÿche. But well, it's Queensrÿche Operation Mindcrime, man. This is. This is the this is the peak of the band, you know. Although I love I love some of the albums after, I love Breaking the Silence. Uh, I don't believe in love. Speak, Eyes of a Stranger, Revolution Calling. I mean, the, the thing that Queensrÿche did good did really well for me was. I, I, there was a lot of different concept albums that I listened to, and, and I never really could understand where the band was coming from or what kind of story they were trying to tell. This was done mm-hmm. so well with the videos on MTV, you know, the liner notes, yep. everything, the, the the imagery that's on the back cover and front cover. Queensrÿche did such a killer job telling a story, and it's a it's not a, a simple story; it's a kind of a complicated story. But because of the way they did it with their videos and their music and and all the little songs that are in you know in between songs. It's just amazing, mm-hmm. and let's uh, and you know what? What's so great about it is the song. The songs stand alone without the album, like those songs that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. You could listen to those songs and say these are incredible songs. I don't need to know what the concept these these are great standalone yeah. songs. So Queensrÿche kind of for me really mastered something that a lot of other bands don't do that well is is the concept album and having those strong songs 
but still fit in with the story. Um, so yeah, and of course, I mean, come on, the, the the musicianship, the vocals, the lyrics. I mean, it's just uh, it was tough to not put that at one, but it ends up it's at two. Okay, so let let me ask you a question, Mike, because that album when it came out, mind blown. I think I saw them twice on that tour. Yeah. Once they opened up for Def Leppard, once they were the headliner, fantastic. But that's an album now for me, and I don't know because I ran it into the ground back then when it first came out. Like, like if it wasn't my house, it was my buddy's house, it was my girlfriend's. Everyone was playing it. Everyone just loved it. You couldn't not hear it. I don't enjoy it, and I know this is going to sound silly. I don't enjoy it as much as I did back then and i don't know because it's just overplayed to me what happened was when this album came out like i said i loved it didn't like empire as much i almost felt like it was a letdown yeah but now over the years again with older hearing i enjoy empire yeah. more than this one I, it's probably crazy that i'm saying this but i the reason why i'm saying because i think i just overkilled the album i just played yeah. it to death to the point where I can't hear the songs anymore. I love the songs. The songs, like you said, are great. They stand alone, but it lost something for me over the years, and I think it's only because I ran it into the ground and playing it and watching the video yeah. and, you know, living that, that album, just loving everything about it. And again, I, here I am. I'm talking about it, but yet I'm saying, oh, it's not, you know. So <laughs> that, that's my take on that album, but I can't fault you for that one. That's classic. Yeah. Again, that's another band, Mike, for me. Those first four albums, four, I think, there's not a bad song off of there. No. You no. want to skip anything when you put those first four albums on. No. You they, know? They and, were in the zone, man. And, you know, The Warning, it, that's one of those kind of albums where I, I kind of missed The Warning because I didn't get into music until, like, the mid-'80s. And then that's okay. one where, like, I just go back to it all the time. And I love it. And I tried to get out of Jeff T. I was like, is this a concept album? And then he was like, oh, being kind of nerdy. Like, oh, I don't really want to put a label on it. But then that, that album always mm. felt like a concept album about, like, machines machines taking over and, and, and you know, all that yeah. kind of stuff. So, like, I don't know. There's a lot of cool imagery in the, in the lyrics of that album, but I'm getting off topic. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, you could go from album to album for those first four and it's just like, wow, what a band, what, what depth, what, what genius, you know, it's, it's really good stuff, great stuff. Uh, and that warning does sound like a concept of, if not, Mike, it was the start of something which, which created the, or, or was the visionary behind Mind Crime, yeah. because I agree with you on that warning album, it was, it, it was something, they were leading to something from that album that led you up to Mind Crime, but yeah, I agree with you on that. Are we ready for one? I'm ready. I hope I've heard of it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> again, Mike, I apologize. Like I said, they, they call me the king of obscure. I'm a little <laughs> out there with my likes. Um, don't get me wrong. I like what everyone else likes. But anyway, my number one, and you. once I tell you, you're going to probably say, I should have known knowing you. Right. I believe we're from Pennsylvania, and it's Dirty Looks. Cool, cool from the wire. Another nice. debut album. Nice. Love this album. Love it. Love everything about it. Love uh, Henrik's tongue in cheek. The man, the way he spoke, the way he delivered the the lyrics. You know, who else could say? You know, shimmy, shimmy, coco, gimme, gimme more. You know, everything about this album. Eleven good hard rock songs. Um, classic for me. This is an album I still play into the ground. 
Um, I think I'm on my third copy. Um, <laughs> not a bad song off all 11 tracks. I put it in the, the ACDC old Ruby, like that ACDC old like It, it could have been something Bon Scott would have sang. Just, just a great album. Excellent album. And that is my 10 for tonight, Mike. I'm dying to hear what your number one is. Well, let me talk about Dirty Looks for a minute. So, okay, so I'm going okay. to put it out there. I've never been, I like, I like ACDC, but I've never been huge into ACDC. So when this came out, you know, for a video and everything, I thought this band was like a ACDC wannabe type of band, you know? So, so I kind of stayed away. And over the years, everybody's like, you got to listen to Dirty Looks. You got to listen to Dirty Looks. And I talked to their guitar player, Paul, recently. And so I went okay. back and, and I checked out Dirty Looks. And that's one of those ones, like you said, with the older ears. Like, I just didn't get it as a kid. Man, it's so good. I, I love this album. It, it's, you know, like I said, got into it obviously a lot later than you, but, you know, cool mm-hmm. from the wire. I love No Brains Child. Uh, that's so oh, cool. Yeah. Get Off. Yeah. I just, yeah it's, yeah. it's awesome. It's not the way you rock. Yeah, it's just the whole thing, man. It, it's a really, really cool album. Didn't get it at the time, but I get it now. No, I, I, I hear you. My favorite off of this is Can't Take My Eyes Off For You. I just love that. I love the whole album, but that's my favorite song, and that's my 10. I'm pumped to hear your number one. Well, this was tough, man. Like I said, for big Man of War fan, big into Queensryche, big into all these guys, so it was really tough once we got down to the wire. No, no, cool from the wire, down to the wire. Okay, so um, <laughs> when we got to this one, man, I, this is a guy I've just been into for a long time. He's a guitar guy, all right? He's from Sweden, <laughs> and... Uh, Yngwie Malmsteen, man, with Odyssey. This is, I love the pairing with, with Joe Lynn Turner. I thought Joe, yeah. I love Joe Lynn Turner's voice. And I think this is where Ingve really shines. He needs to be with like a really good singer, a really good songwriter. And they, he kind of toned it down a bit, but the results are just phenomenal. You know, really catchy <laughs> tunes like Heaven Tonight, Now Is The Time. Yeah. But he's still got heavy stuff like Rising Force on there and Faster Than The Speed Of Light. I just think it was a really winning combination it was uh joe lynn turner and ingve malmsteen mm-hmm. so that's my number one man I, I love that album i know i'm not alone a lot of people look at odyssey as one of his best so that's what i got okay nice and i i don't think you could go and maybe this is just my opinion but it's my opinion um i don't think you could go wrong with a joe lynn turner release no he's really I, I, I think the those voices to me that is like gold like whatever he sings whatever he puts out i'm gonna listen to him. i'm gonna take a stab at it and and purchase it like i even like him when he sang uh, uh what was that band he he sang i think only one out sunstorm sunstorm yeah that sounds great yep yeah and then i know he does a couple of tracks for brazen abbott which is just a bunch of different vocalists yep but yeah i i, I like his voice i like him you know i think people are down on that version of uh, Rainbow, I like him in Rainbow. Yeah. I even like that one Deep Purple album he sings on. I like his voice, so I could listen to him sing. I don't have any problems with him. I think that was an excellent choice. Great, great top ten on your part. And you enlightened me. I'm going to go back and find out about Lillian Axe. I'm going to re-listen to the Rats of the Judas Priest. So I'm pumped up. <laughs> Like I, I almost feel like I got new albums now, nice. and I'll check them out. Same thing with me, man. Like you said, you did a lot of them that I, I had never heard, so I'm going to go back. So why don't we do this real quick? What are some What are some albums that just almost made the cut? Like, give me give me a couple of your albums that you was was hard for you to leave off. Okay, 
I'll just read them out to you. I won't give you any story. There's six of them, and I'll start from six leading up to one. It was Blind Guardian, Battalions of Fear, Suicidal Tendencies, How Would I Laugh Tomorrow, Nuclear Assault, Survive, um, uh, Sanctuary, uh, Refuse and Deny, Vivid from Living Color, and here's one that you're not going to expect, Chains Addiction, Nothing Shocking, love that album. It's the only album I love by them, and I, I still play it today. Um, um, oh, those are great ones, man. I'm with you on on, uh, on Jane's Addiction, Nothing Shocking. I think that's a great album. Yeah, I'm not big into a lot of their other albums either, but that one, especially the bass. I love the bass on, yeah, on that the album. The whole album's got great yep. bass playing and, and just great playing in general by everybody. So here's mine. Um, Poison, open up and say, uh, I know a lot of people are probably right. scratching their heads. Why didn't I have that higher? I just don't think it, it's an overall great effort. I think there's some great songs, but it's not a great overall effort. Uh, Winger, this was this was painful not to put on their their debut. I do love it. Mm-hmm. Um, is that you saying Winger? <laughs> um, Ozzy, no rest for the wicked. So good, man. Okay. It's so freaking heavy with Zach Wild, but it just didn't make it. Hurricane over the mm-hmm. edge. I love wow. Ace, Ace Freely, second sighting. A lot of people don't like that. I think Todd Haworth does a great job with Ace on that one. Kicks, Blow My Fuse. Oh, that was super tough. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Europe, Out of This World, Iron Maiden, Seven Son of a Seven Son. And, of course, right. Celtic Frost, Cold Lake. <laughs> you know, I'm glad you, I'm glad you wrote, and I know it's pro- we've been on for a while. I'm glad you brought the Cold Lake up because that is, Again, where I'm this odd duck, that's my favorite Celtic Frost album. Yep. And I get killed by Twitter friends all the time for liking that album, but that's my favorite Celtic Frost album. You know, you know Greg, you and I are probably a lot of like, like I said, especially with the Man of War connection, but something like Celtic Frost, like most people just don't get it. But I, I, we get mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? I like that his voice sounds like shit. I like that he says, Ugh, you know, all the time. I like that yeah. he, it's like a glam Fresh doom. I don't know what the hell it is, but when it's something that I can't put my finger on, that's usually when I like it. You know what I mean? Yeah, oh, I get it. I get it. No, I, I, you know what? I I, I like the, the the earlier Celtic Frost as well, but there was just I don't know. I think I like when a band tries something that sounds odd or seems odd. I think mean, that's when I like it more. Yep. I don't know why. I don't know. As you could see, like I like Anthrax, State of Euphoria. I picked that one. I you know. You said the Celtic Frost, another good one. I like, I just like the Odd Duck albums, I guess, you know. Yep. Well, hey, it was fun going through these. I'm glad that we didn't have any that matched up because you know what? That that gives 20 albums for people to go check out if they haven't listened to them in a long time or if they've never heard of, heard of them at all. You know, it, it's just it's a lot of music to take in. So it was fun, man. Yeah, yeah I enjoyed it. Anytime, Mike. This was awesome. Thank you again for having me. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Well, that was a fun one with Greg. Tons more on the way. Rock on!